welcome back to the Better Man and Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 94th episode of the podcast. We get a chance to talk to head coach of Paris Junior College, Clay Cox. Coach Cox has been the skipper there at Paris Junior College since 2016, uh, where each year he continues to be in the top 10 for stolen bases. He continues to be nationally ranked offensive and defensive category every year. In 2021, it was uh, the first time they played probably in the 30-plus years that they played for a regional championship. He's won nearly 70% of his games at Paris. He's center of 50 guys, Division One. And in 2021, past season, he was second in the nation in the team GPA. So continue to hold guys to standards, continue to be have better ballplayers. Continue to hold his guys accountable and have high expectations for his kids. Um, he was been an assistant for the Dragons, and in his first year as an assistant with the Dragons, they doubled their win total, improved in every offensive category, including leading the conference in stolen bases. Again, multiple times. You know, that's the thing we got into right away. Because most guys think about Coach Cox is, is infield, which he's an infield guru, um, you know, highly known, nationally known guy for his infield work. But if you start to dive into some things, his teams always run the bases and run the bases well. He's the founder of Infield U. Go to www.infieldu.com to learn more about those guys and Infield U and what he does there. Former Texas Collegiate League coach, where he won four straight Texas League championships and broke several team records during his time there as the head coach. Was the former assistant at West Alabama University. They won the conference season title there as well as a tournament championship. Set school records for winning percentage in a win um, in a year as well as a win streak record. He w- He is... An ABC hosted presenter, uh, he's been on a national known podcast, um, and he was on the USA Baseball 17U Task Force this past year, as well as been a USA Baseball coach's clinician. So, get your notes ready. Here he is, head coach at Paris Junior College, Clay Cox. I know Tyler Reed going those guys really well, and, and yeah. they do a lot of cool stuff, and we don't necessarily do the mo the mo lead the new school stuff. Um, what it is for us when people ask me, the number one thing I tell them is it's mentality. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of high school players that we get in, a lot of eighteen and nineteen year olds, uh, they're they're timid, you know, because they they're afraid they're going to get in trouble if they get thrown out or you know something's going to happen. Man, we we go and that's the, that's the hardest thing to break in the fall, you know, is that hey we, we may set up, you know, hey this this inner squad you've got to go within the first three pitches at some point. Um, you know, because if we don't test it in the fall in those games, we're not going to find out what we can do. Um, but it's really just changing their mentality to understand that, hey, you're not going to be in trouble. Um, and, you know, the odds are that it has to be a, a great feed, a great catch, a great throw, a great catch and a great tag to get you in the time you're running 78, 77 feet. Um, you know, and, and they start to kind of realize that, um, you know, we're we, we take a lot of extra bags just off, you know, a lollipop on um, on on a throw from the outfield to the cutoff, you know, if that cutoff's a little deep, we've got to, you know, we're going to do some things with Adam. We've, we've tagged and scored three times in the last two years on a fly ball to center field from second base, you know, Um, but you know, we just, we mentality is what we preach and I can dive into some of that stuff. 
Um, and it's funny, you, you mentioned Tom Miller's a good buddy of yours. Tim DeJean is a good buddy of mine who uh, they coach in the Orioles system together. And I know they do. Him, him know each other well. And so I followed a lot of Tom's stuff when he was at Hartford. And you're right, because everybody was talking about how they could bang. I mean, they, those dudes just mashed, but they didn't realize they were running at the same time, too. Um, that was a fun club to watch. You know, he, he could really – they got after it. They sure did, yeah. And DJ, uh, DJ's helped me a couple times. He's been on the podcast and stuff like that, so we've stayed he's, in touch. He, DJ's the man. Over COVID, we got hooked up, and uh, man, it was every Friday. There was about six or eight of us that got on a Zoom call. We'd we'd spend three morning, three hours every Friday morning just talking shop, hanging out, you know. And um, I, I love DJ. He's been good to me, man. Yeah, he's a great dude. Great dude. Loves the sneakers too. So I'm always giving. I'm asking for sneaker advice. Hey man, what do these look? <laughs> so he loves that. He goes, "There's one thing I know." <laughs> that's that's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. He's a good dude. So, um, I guess I guess um, ah, yeah, man. So, like beyond, beyond the mindset, beyond the mindset of the stolen bases, um, you know, what are the specific things? Like, are you keying on? Like, is it everyday work that you like? Hey, we're going to focus on this. Uh, you kind of build the pro. You got to build your system from the ground up, in terms of like leads in terms of like what to look for in the picture how does that work from your yeah so we i mean we're gonna start in day one um with our leads at first base and yep. you know that's we're gonna take i i tend to i tend to subscribe to the method of um you know that we're going to uh we're gonna take the handcuffs off and let you be an athlete a lot of athletic freedom within our system um but like the leads are one of the things you know and there's certain things where infielders that hey this is a this is a definite this is what you're going to do this is how you're going to take your lead at first base um and we're gonna you know we're gonna start there and then we're gonna key off things like you know what are we seeing with the pitcher is he ball in glove is he ball in hand uh or is there anything that we're tipping on uh, we have a sheet, you know, in the dugout that keeps um, that keeps home to plate times and catcher pop times. And then we start day one. Uh, and I wasn't great about it this fall, just with having two coaches. Sometimes, you know, there's a little little things that kind of get pushed to the wayside. But we do still start time. So we'll start at our 77, 78 foot mark. Um, and a guys will do three a day and they'll run through second base and I take their times. And so used to we used to use the formula of, hey, if you're three, three, if the, if the pitcher and the catcher are three, three, five plus, then we're an automatic green light. Well, it didn't make sense because we have such a disparity in, in guys who can really run, guys who might not be able to run. So by taking their still start times, we're able to see like, hey, this guy's a three, two, three. This guy's a three, eight, you know, whatever it may be. Well, why am I telling the guys a three-two-three that he didn't have a green light till it's a three-three-five? And so we'll do still start times. They start at their mark, they run through second base, um, and then we keep those averages. And then we can post on on the dugout, you know, what your numbers are. And so you can look at that chart in the dugout in a game and say, hey, this pitcher and catcher are a three-two-nine combined. Well, anybody who's under three-two-nine, you know, you've got an automatic green light, um, and it kind of just helps give you a little bit of of um, a, a numbers game to help them see visually that, Hey, this is what these guys are. Um, and so we'll, we'll use that. Our still start times. That's been big for us. Um, you know, and then we're, one of the things that I wish that there was a, a secret to is, is DV, what we call DVRs, dirt ball reads, you know, uh, there's obviously drills that, that we all work um, outside of getting on the mound and, and throwing, you know, from 60 feet, six inches and, and peppering the ball in the dirt or throwing it through. It's kind of tough to really, 
do some things to work on. There's some guys that really get it. Um, there's some guys that don't. I know the problem. The problem is they're 18, 19 years old, and when the ball is pitched, their their eyes immediately go to where the action is going to be, and that's the plate instead of following the path of the baseball and reading down angle. I know the problem. Uh, I just can't, I don't have a secret formula for it, or I probably wouldn't be sitting sitting here. I'd be on a beach somewhere, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, you know that's something that we really try to focus on too because we get guys that come in and, and it, it always tends to that. What I love is watching, you know, our guys who are six foot five first baseman who aren't the fleetest of foot, but then they can get really good at, at reading DBRs and that's their niche. And we tell them like, that's how you can run for us. That's how you can help us. And on the bags, um, you know, is by reading dirt ball reads and getting great reads. And we had a guy named Trevor rug. That was a Louisiana guy that came in here. was an all region first baseman for us. Probably one of the best ones we've had at it. Uh, I got a freshman first baseman right now. And I remember on his recruiting visit, he asked me, he said, Hey, I know you guys run a ton. How am I going to help you on the bases? Cause I'm not fast. Well, this fall, man, he was really, really good at reading dirt balls and probably one of our better guys at it. And hey, that's how you help us. Um, you know, we build everything off pressure burst pipes is our motto. Um, you know, we want to put pressure on you at the junior college level. I mean, and, and on down the ranks, you know, if you can put pressures on guys to, to force them to catch and throw the baseball, then you have a chance, um, you know, and, and that's what we talk about. And so, you know, we're going back to that still start time a little bit. We don't do slides on that. Um, and some people ask why. Well, I, I figure that the the research we've done, typically, if it's a good head first slide, you don't really lose any time. Mm -hmm. um, with the feet first slide, you're going to lose roughly 0.05, which is the same thing as what you're going to probably get with the tag being 0.05. So I just negate that um, and we just run through the bag. But that's kind of one of those things we'll start like right at the beginning of practice. We'll jump in. All our guys will get up there. They'll run three apiece and then we'll go. That way their legs are fresh. We can get a true time. Um, but you know, that's been a big one for us as well, but mentality is really the, the big one. And then just understanding to break those barriers and, you know, a guy's going to get, he's going to get thrown out. And when he does, you just got to, especially on a DBR, if a guy blocks the ball, picks it up, throws us out at second base, tip your hat, man, he got us. But majority of the time, the numbers show when you're 85, 95%, you know, 85, 90% roughly in your stolen base percentage, then majority of the time you're, you're going to, you're going to be there. Um, and, and I, I tell them right out of the gate, you know, I'm one of those that I believe that, Guys have to, you know, when, when I mess up, I, I want to admit that to the guys. Like, you know, I, I had a guy around third last year. He slipped. I probably should have held him up. I went ahead and sent him. It got us busted. Uh, and we ended up losing the game by one, you know, one or two runs. And I said, hey, we probably could have had something going there if I wouldn't have forced him in. But I tell him, hey, I'm going to get you thrown out from time to time at the plate. Um, but more times than not, it's going to work out for us, you know. And so we've got to be on the same page of that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you know, and it's also that humility, you know, humbleness and though you're showing that like I'm just a human too. It's gonna like you said, and that all comes back to how we handle failure. You know, and if you didn't do that and do those kind of things, you know, I think it's all coming back to like you kind of said from the get go, it's your mindset of how do you handle failure. Absolutely. I mean, I've had I've had players that have reached out afterwards and said, you know, one of the things I respect most about you is the fact that, you know, if you you did something that, you know, you felt cost us in a game or you made a decision that wasn't necessarily right. Or, you know, you jumped on somebody, you came back and you owned it. And I do, I'll tell them, you know, I mean, that's all you got, you know, is your word. And and I want, I want respect from those guys. And I tell them all the time, you know, accountability and, and, you know, if you do something wrong, just if you come to me and you're honest with me and you tell me and you man up, then things are going to be a lot better for you, you know? And so we're trying to teach these guys to not just be better ball players, but things that they're going to learn in life, you know, they're going to go out and be better in the world for. And so, you know, I mean, you mess up at work and you go into your boss and you, you own it and say, Hey, look, I, I messed this up. I'm going to take whatever 
repercussion comes with it. Um, a lot of the times it tends to work out better for you, you know, than uh, letting them be surprised by something and then they got to come get you. And so we want those guys to understand that. And we want, we want that open relationship to be there too, that they know like, Hey man, we trust each other and we're in this together. You know, this isn't a, we're the coaches, they're the players. This is a family. And so we've got to be in it together. And if they, they mess up and own it, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to own it. Uh, I can't, I can't expect them to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And how do you, how are you, how do you embrace that? You know, cause at the Juco level, you know, you got guys for one or two years, you know, I know right now with the COVID and you might have guys through three years now. Um, uh, but how, how do you, how do you help embrace that every year? It's tough. And I think that was the biggest adjustment for me coming from a four year to a two year was realizing that, you no longer have those 22 and 23 year old seniors or fifth year seniors that have been in the program for four to five years. And it kind of just runs itself. You know, they've been around it so long and we start with recruiting what we call OKGs, our kind of guys, you know, we run things a lot differently, a tight ship. And we have to have guys that are, I tell, I tell every recruit that sits in our office, if you're 99% sure you want to come to Paris, don't come to Paris. I need guys that are hundred percent bought in and it's, realizing that, you know, they, they've got to crunch it in in a tight, a tight span in that one year to become a sophomore leader. And that's what you find out, you know, a lot of guys, 18, 19 years old, they're not ready to leave. They're not juniors. They're not seniors, but they find a way to, and they're kind of thrust into that role. You know I mean? We've got guys who have been thrust into starting spots that probably didn't need to be there, but because of where we were in the situation, that's what their role was. And, you know, it's kind of trial by fire. You just get thrown into the mix and you have to do it, but it's something that, you know, people understand um, that that are recruit. We, we we are upfront about that in the recruiting process. Uh, you talk to guys that have been in our program six, seven years ago, and the the credos. You know, the the, the nothing's changed. We're, we're the same people we were back then, and we're expecting the same thing. And it goes back to what I think is expectation. Um, a lot of people want to talk about this as an entitlement generation, and I don't believe that. I think saying that is an excuse, and that entitles them even more. Um, I think that these these young men and women want to do just as good as we did when we were growing up. And I think they want to be successful with their coaches. They want to be successful in life. And when you expect it from them, you're going to get it. Um, you know, we expect you to take your hats off when you walk in an academic building. We expect you to do well in the classroom. We expect you to say yes or no, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You know, all of those things are expectations. And when that's you're upfront about those expectations is this is how things are going to be. You've only got two options and that's get on board with it or don't be here. Um, and, you know, we feel like down the road, there's a lot of things that are taught to them within this program that they're going to carry on in the real world that are going to help them be successful whenever baseball's over. It may be 10 years down the road if they're a big leaguer, or it may be, you know, somebody who after their, their sophomore, junior year, they decide, you know what, I, I need to get to work and do those things. Uh, whenever it may be, hopefully it clicks. Mm. Can you speak a little bit more about those, like your expectations, like just uh, like little things? You got, do you, uh, I guess, expectations of like classes and things like that, like those kind of different expectations of what you're, um, you know, what you're expecting out of your players? And then how are you holding them accountable for those? So, one of the big things for us is, uh, you know, I know junior college can get a stigma that's not very academically stimulating sometimes. Um, you know, and back in the day, it was always kind of a looked at as, oh, well, guys didn't have grades to go to Division One. That's why they're going there. Um, we expect them and we tell them right out of the get go that, you know, academics, first and foremost, you're your student athlete. Um, you're going to you're going to take care of your business in the classroom. If you don't, it's quickest way to find your way out of this program. Um, and we finished the last four years running out of 388 junior college baseball teams. We finished second in the country in team GPA. Um, you know, we've had a three, eight, the last two years as a team and, and people do that. They ask me, they're like, well, Hey, I, what do y'all do? What's, you know, what's your secret? 
it's expectation. We tell them up front, this is what, this is the way it's going to be. And there's a number of reasons, you know, one that, you know, we want to win in everything we do, whether it's in the classroom, it's on the field, you know, competition breeds success and we want to win Two, I mean, I've been fortunate to coach almost 50 guys who have been drafted, you know, four guys that are in the big leagues right now. As cliche as it may sound at the end of the day, those guys are going to need something to fall back on when their career is over. And then threefold, you know, at, at the junior college level, nine times out of 10, you leave JUCO the three or better, you're going to get academic money on top of your athletic money. And so we've got a lot of guys who end up, you know, on over a full ride in, in, in their four-year institution because they've got the grades to go with it. You know I mean? Guys in the SEC, guys that, you know, go to big schools and, and they're PTK members here. I mean, we've had guys that have gotten $25,000 academic scholarships because they're PTK members, which is a, a, the basically the National Honor Society of, of two-year colleges. Um, and so we just expect that, you know, we kind of use coach Corbin's, um, uh, class attendance policy. It's, you know, if you go to class, uh, or you miss a class and you don't tell me, I'll find out cause this is a small campus and, and they know that we're, we're expecting our guys to be there. Uh, you, you know, you don't, you tell me you're going to get punished. If you don't tell me the whole team's going to get punished. Um, and so it kind of polices itself because, you know, if you're in an eight o'clock with, with two other guys, you don't want to have to run for them. So you're going to make sure those guys are up with you and going to your eight o'clock class. Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's one of those things that this is where we teach them about time management and those things. And, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's a long day. You know, you're not here to just play baseball and, and you, you want to play baseball and pro ball one day. Well, you got to get through and, and get your education and to continue to move on your career and continue to develop um, and get to the next level. And, you know, we're, we're going to continue to do those things. And so we make sure that that expectation is there and that they handle their business. Um, you know, we do little things like when we get off the bus to eat dinner um, on a road trip, we're going to leave our phones on the bus so we can have communication and, and have conversation while we're sitting at the dinner table and not all be glued to our screens. I mean, I'll, I'm just as guilty of it a lot of times as other guys, you know? Um, and so I, I like to make sure that, Hey, you know what, let's have conversation. Let's be able to communicate, um, you know, and, and we're going to make sure that we handle those things. And so, I'm a firm believer, and we tell our guys all the time that that if you take care of the little things, the big things like winning are going to take care of themselves. And all of those little things are things that, you know, again, I think that if everybody takes care of their job, uh, everybody does what they're supposed to do, then as a unit, we're going to be successful. Yeah, and let's not forget, too, because, I mean, like I said, I follow you on Twitter, and a lot of guys do. Well, forget about all those great meals that you cook for those guys, either too. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we just had some brisket and pulled pork before they went home for Christmas uh, at our at our sweater party. So uh, we we try to met with the wife and I. You know, COVID kind of slowed things down with with that stuff, and then obviously we've we've got two little ones now, so it slowed down a little bit. But we we try to bring them over at least you know once a month or a couple times a semester, and you know, good fellowship and just hanging out, throwing some cornhole and and uh, you know eating good and popping on a game, whatever it may be, but just to kind of get them away from campus for a little bit and just kind of that team camaraderie. Yeah, that's great, man. I love, I love seeing, you know, love seeing that. I think it's just what it's all about. And it says, like I said, but it's such a challenge, you know, you got, you're talking 18 to 20, 18 to 20 year olds, you know, to do it. And you're, you're always, you know, it's, it's just a revolving door. You know, I, I helped Juco for four years and what it was Juco guy myself. And, you know, you realize, you know, there's a lot of turnover and I uh, just think that you're looking at every year, different things come up families happen you guys you know or a guy moves on after a year or you got guys leaving or maybe ineligible so like things are just you know it, you got to be adjustments you know but it's just oh, great yeah. to see like what you're saying is the family atmosphere you know and how you guys are getting guys together and i think that's it's great stuff great stuff for sure um oh sweet um he got into the uh stolen base stuff that's awesome 
Um, in terms of, you know, let's say, because you talk about two, the challenges with JUCO, you know, you had two coaches, right? And so I, I think a lot of guys listening are just guys like that, you know, the challenge of a small staff. You know, how are you handling the small staff and the challenges that bring? Whew, man, it's tough. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's myself and my pitching coach who uh, is also a recruiting coordinator. And so, you know, we're in charge of uh, of it all, man. And that's that's he does a great job with the field. He, he's pretty much got the field all in his hands. Uh, we design all the strength and conditioning program um, where, you know, we're taking care of, of the facilities where we're breaking up groups, we're practice schedule, all of that stuff. And, and so it, it's one of those that we got to get creative. Um, you know, a lot of times it's, Hey, we may bring a group in for early work, um, to get, you know, outfielders may come in on Monday for early work infielders on Tuesday, catchers on Wednesday. And that way, once their early work's done, we can kind of roll into team practice. Um, you know, or we do some small groups in the morning. If some guys don't have class at a certain time, you know, we may get their early work in then, but it's, it's, it's tough, um, you know, balancing all that, but, you know, you, you find a way to get it done. And I think just being, being able to be good at time management, um, which I've had to, I've had to continually work on, um, but being able to be creative, you know, and be flexible. Uh, I, I don't like to get in, into monotonous um, practice days where it's just, you know, the same thing over and over again. Um, I, I think that obviously creates a little uh, drag at practice. Um, you know, guys want something new, something fresh. Um, then again, you, you know, you may get into a spot where you're rolling and guys want to do the same thing. And, you know, that's where we kind of communicate with our guys and, I will say that that's something that I feel like, you know, we had a really good year down the stretch last year and, um, and a good run in, in the postseason. And we got to where we, we gave them a little more freedom with, Hey man, what are you guys feeling today? What, you know, as we got deeper into the season, what, what do you feel like we need to work on? What are, what are your needs? You know, obviously in the cages, a lot of times, you know, I may give them a dealer's choice in the cage, let them, you know, hey, well, we want to do a two-strike approach or we want to do this. Um, but just overall in practice later on in the year, we kind of started getting a little more feedback from them and communicating. And it gives them some ownership, you know, in the program. And, and um, they, they liked that. And it gave us the feedback we needed. You know, I mean, there were days that it's really funny because last year, you know, I, I changed just two, a couple little things that, I felt like a lot of times in the second half of the season, um, you know, Juco's 56, 56 game season. Uh, we start January 28th. You know, you finish postseason, hopefully in late May. Um, right. You know, if, if you're in Grand Junction. But I was a firm believer as a young guy in a couple things. One, you know, oh, man, we, we got to get them up lift early. We got we to make these guys tough, you know, and, and 5 a.m. lifts. And, and I started looking at, um, you know, there's three things, in my opinion, that make the body perform at an optimal level. And that's that's the weights. We all talk about it. It's nutrition. We all talk about it. But then it's sleep. And, and they don't typically get enough of that anyway. If they're not getting enough, their body's not recovering. And so I, I got away from that. I'll make you tough. We're going to we're going to find a way to make you tough in this program. And, and you're going to leave a lot tougher. But I can do it other ways than that. Um, but going into last year, we had kind of a lot of times, a lot of years, you know, in that second half, you just kind of see a decline. Hands start getting heavy. Bodies are tired, a little more nicked up. Um, and so as a young coach, I also was kind of, hey, man, we can't have a day off in the season, man. We got to at least flush. We got to get a lift in. We got to throw. We got to do something. Um, and there were times last year where, you know, I'm like, hey, man, dude, how are you guys feeling? Like, are we, or do we need to go get a, can we go get a lift? Cause we live in the weight room now. I mean, we're three days a week year round. Um, where we're in season with the maintenance, we're five days a week in the off season that, you know, October to January period. Um, 
and there were there would be some days they're like, Coach, we just we're we're heavy today. You know, the the, the bodies are feeling it. Hey, we're not gonna lift today. And I never would have done that as a young guy. You know, I was like, man, no, man, we're gonna go lift. But I listened to them and I let their bodies tell us what we needed to be doing. Um, and there's some teams that can handle a day off, and there's some that can't. You know, and we had a day off last year. We had played like four games in a matter of you know, three days because of the weather. And we had that crazy snowstorm down here. And I gave him a Sunday off headed into, um, you know, McLennan, who ended up being a national champion last year. We're playing them in a, on a Monday game at DBU. And I'm going, man, I don't know. You know, we give him a day off going in against one of the top 10 teams in the country. Uh, we came out and we, we fought right out of the gate. And it was, a, you know, we ended up dropping a close one late uh, in the eighth or the ninth there. But um, those guys could handle it, you know. And we mm -hmm. started just listening to them a little more. Um, giving them a little more time off um, here and there. And they would, you know, the feedback I got was, Coach, that 24 hours, you have no idea how good that is for our body, how nice it is to just, you know, get out and, and, and lay down for a day. Because, you know, especially last year with the with the weather changes, there were times when we were playing six, seven games in a five-day span. And, you know, those bodies are just banged up. And we saw with, with pushing our weight, our heavy weight, a little more into December instead of starting our maintenance mode early and then giving that day down once a week, I mean, as we got into April and May, I felt like we were playing some of our best ball and our guys were in a lot better shape than normal. Um, and so, you know, just a couple little things, but it really came down to we were listening to them and letting their bodies tell us what we needed to do, um, you know, and, and so it really was a, a benefit, benefit for us. Mm. For even mentally too, you know, just Absolutely. so you're able to get there. I can see it mentally helping. So you talk about, yeah, three days a week in the weight room. Um you know, you know, you try you try to stick to that during the spring, like you said, depending on you know, let's say on average, you know, depending unless you guys need a, a need a break, um, it's still three days. Yeah, so, so we're we're typically you know we're we're five. We we end up we end the the fall season around late October with our fall World Series, and we go to a four to five day a week schedule. And we we lift heavy, um, you know, and, and throw hard type program, um, and we really see some benefits. Uh, our our numbers were off the chart this this uh, fall with our guys and their maxes, but we'll go into when we get back to a three to probably a three to four day a week in that first few weeks of January um, before we're kind of inter squad and getting ready to hit the season. Then once we hit the season, we'll go to a three day a week maintenance type mode. Um, you know, where we'll we'll make sure we're keeping up with what we need to keep up with. We'll go a little heavier into about the start of conference. Then we'll kind of lighten it up, just go more full body stuff. Um, but we also do three days a week of yoga from from August to May. And, and since we started that a few years ago, we've really seen just our our nagging injuries significantly decline. You know, guys, guys go in there that first um, that first session and they're kind of giggling and laughing, you know, yoga. And then they're walking out, sweating, grabbing muscles they didn't know they had. Um, but they'll tell you, you know, by the end of it all, they're like, man, that yoga has been a game changer for us. Um, you know, really feeling limber and, and trying to maintain and uh, where we really work hard in the off season with, you know, we do lift heavy and that's kind of some things, you know, uh, we bench and, and we, we do a lot of the, the old school stuff, but we do some explosive stuff. Obviously we have a good mix. We think our off season program does a great job, but a lot of guys coming in that have always been, you know, oh, it's just dumbbell and, and I can't bench. I don't want to, well, we, you know, we're going to pre and we're going to post stretch. Cause I feel like a post stretch is where a lot of those guys typically miss. Uh, we're going to do our bands, you know, throughout the off season. We're going to do our yoga. We're going to do a lot of stuff to counteract. I'm not going to, you know, I mean, hell, we talked about earlier, you know, we've been lucky 
top 10 nationally almost every year in stolen bases. Well, I don't want my 6'4", 6'5", guys becoming 6'8", 6'9", guys. So I'm not just going to throw them in there lift heavy, you know, and and not work any um, explosion. We're going to do speed and agility two to three days a week, but we're going to stretch and stay limber, you know, while we do that. Um, and so, you know, there's a number of different components that go into that offseason program. But that's kind of also where it rolls in for me that I'm a firm believer in the uh, – you know, I, I don't like the phrase, if you love it, it's not a grind. Uh, I don't believe that because Juco, Juco is an absolute grind. I say you grind because you love it. When you talk about yoga, weights, study hall, practice, class, um, you know, our guys got here in August and they didn't get their first weekend off. They didn't get to go home until the first weekend in November. Um, that's a grind, you know, and so you're playing 30 games in the fall, 56 games in the spring. Most of our guys are going to go out and play summer ball all across the summer, may get a couple weeks at home before it's all said and done. Um, and then they're back here at it as a sophomore. And so, you know, we, we talk about the grind all the time, but, um, you know, it, it's definitely a grind and that's, you know, that's one of those things though, that sticks with you and you being a Juco guy, you know, when, when you get to that four-year school, those Juco guys kind of just, they kind of clump together and they've been through the ringer and, and they, you know, Juco bandits and a badge of honor uh, for guys, you know, they've, they've been through it. And so they, you know, that kind of tends to be something that they're proud of. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They do. Um, speaking of that, like, I think it's a great thing to come into because I'm curious, I always ask guys this because I think, just the whole th yearly throwing program and how it is, right? So, you like you just mentioned, 50-some games in the spring. Let's say you got a freshman, right? You got a freshman this year. He's going to play 50, 60 games spring for you. He's going to go off play his summer schedule, and then he's going to come back and you know try to play your 30 games in the fall, like you said. How do you get your arms ready to compete in the fall after that after that kind of that kind of schedule? Yeah, so we're going to uh, we're going to talk, you know, and work closely with wherever our guys are going out for summer ball. Um, there's not for me. There's not a magic number of innings where this has to be the cutoff. Um, I again, we're listening to bodies, how guys feel, um, you know, and, and now a guy throws a lot of innings for us as a freshman. You know, when he goes out, I may say, hey, he's got 20 innings. You know, use him how you want. If you want to use him for three or four starts, or you want to use them for 20 innings out of the pen for the next month and a half, whatever you feel like doing, you go with that. But we, uh, we work, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of summer ball. I think it's a great opportunity. I think, you know, it, it's going and experiencing uh, somewhere you've never been with guys from all over the country at different levels of ball, living with a host family. I think there's a lot of benefits of it. I think it is a little more dangerous nowadays with the transfer portal. And, you know, a freshman goes out and has a big summer and a good league. And then next thing you know, you know, some four years are swooping in, trying to get in there before August and get him to campus. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll monitor that. Um, and then we'll, you know, like this year, we had a guy who ended up uh, playing in the championship up in the expedition league and that didn't finish till mid August. So we, we bumped his schedule a little compared to the other guys, you know, we said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to sit you down for an extra week or two. We're going to back you up. So he wasn't on the same exact throwing program coming back. Um, he was a week or two behind, but we wanted to make sure the arm was healthy. Um, and so, you know, we monitor that we put in a good time to, you know, when we get back, it's, it's fastball change up only for the first three to four weeks. Um, one of those reasons being a lot of guys coming out of high school, you know, they don't have that feel for that pitch. And if you want to get through a collegiate lineup, you need to be a three pitch mix. Um, you know, if you want to get through there multiple times anyway. And then on top of that, too, again, guys being out throwing all summer, it's a little easier on the arm to coming right back and throwing the breaking ball, the slider, um, you know. And so there's a number of things we do. But we kind of we my pitching coach will map it out. You know, hey, here's where we're going to start. We'll sit down, you know, in July or August. We'll map out the whole fall of how we're going to 
you know, give guys pitch count and we're going to work up into some things and build their arm strength up over the fall. But we just monitor those guys throughout the summer and make sure that we've got everybody on a plan and, you know, everybody's different, you know, and we got a guy who threw a ton of innings, you know, we might shut him down and say, Hey, you're going to go, go home, rest, lift, get your stuff in, you know, and then we'll start ramping you back up in July, but take a month off, you know, um, November for us is what we call an active rest period for our pitchers. Um, they put the ball down. There's a lot of scap work, table work, jobs, that type stuff, um, dry work. But we're going to put the ball down for a full month there because a lot of guys, you know, high school guys, especially coming in as freshmen, they between summer ball, fall ball, high school ball, some of those guys have never put the ball down for an extended period of time and that arm just needs to rest. And so we give them that full month rest in November and then we start ramping back up in December bullpens will start late December rolling into our inner squads in January. So uh, a lot of different things that we do to monitor that, but our pitching coaches that we've had, you know, coach Boone is here now and our previous pitching coaches that have been here, uh, have all done a great job of mapping out how we're going to do that and make sure that each guy um, stays healthy. Mm, okay, great. This is an awesome answer. Um, I'm just going back to, and honestly, because I was just thinking about another challenge and it's going to kind of get us into infield stuff because i know that you run your infield charts and i love the air analysis stuff that you do um you could talk more about that but like that's one thing that i was thinking of like the challenge of you having a staff too like how do you how do you chart all those things that you say you want to chart even with like your base running stuff is that pitcher pitch do the po's do that guys that aren't pitching that day like how are you managing those things with again the small staff so, yeah, um, one of the things like the, the infield chart I keep um, just, you know, that's my baby. I I know exactly what I'm looking for on that chart. So I've got my clip. Oh, you keep that info chart. I do. I do. Okay. It's um, every ball is hit on the infield for 56 games that that spring is going to be charted by me. Uh, it just sits next to me in the dugout. Or if I'm, you know, turn around right and you, you'll guys start to pick it up pretty quick. I'll have pitchers that even learn, you know, I'll, I'll be turning around, writing something on a dugout card or making a change and balls hit. And I'm like, Hey, what was that? They're like, Hey, it's backhand rake, two step. I'm like, all right, good throw. Yeah. Money throw. And so, you know, I'll mark it down, um, you know, or a guy, if I miss it, a guy comes off, I'll ask him and he knows uh, cause they get, they get to know in our lingo and our verbiage. Um, but yeah, for the most part, uh, a lot of our charts are going to, we do, we keep a number of charts We you know, tendency charts, uh, freebie war, two strike war, all of those things. Um, and a number of guys, you know, POs will do that. But if we've got some, you know, some hitters that aren't in a game, uh, they can jump on a chart as well. What I'll do in the fall is I break it up, you know, in an inner squad. Okay, today you four are on this chart, you four are on this chart, you four are on this chart. And then I'll rotate them throughout the fall so everybody has experience with each chart. So it's not like, hey, I don't know how to do that chart. I can't do it. Everybody's done every chart and everybody can do it, you know. Um, and so our guys will, you know, make sure that those are being taken care of. They they know that uh, one of the ways to really um, not not make Coach Cox happy is to is somebody not be on a chart. You know, uh, we talk about all the time communications solves 90 percent of problems. And so, you know, we we talk about you don't put a chart down and say, hey, somebody get this. You walk up to a hey, I got to go to the pen. You take this chart. And so, you know, who was supposed to be on it if they weren't. Um, but we we managed to do that throughout, you know, the entire team kind of chips in on that. Right. All right. I just wondering about that. Uh, speaking of also, so like the more of the lingo stuff, um, do you like when you start starting your infielders, you know, is it, is it, is it really just the bait? Is that the basis? Like basically here's your chart. So this kind of a, this kind of then breaks up your work and then it creates, starts creating that lingo, starts creating that language. Yeah. So, um, one of the things I'll do is the first week we get here, we get here a week before school starts. Um, and, and we call it hell week. We kind of welcome you to JUCO. It's, uh, 
you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, fun times that week that we really get after it, just kind of welcome to it, but it gives them time to get acclimated in the dorm, get acclimated to calf, you know, know where everything is instead of just showing up on Saturday or Sunday and having to start class on Monday. Um, but during that week, the first, the first meeting I'll have with the infielders, we'll go into a classroom, um, over the math and science building, I'll pull up a PowerPoint I have, and we walk through everything. We walk through our throwing program, our, our prep step and, and our, our positioning for that. Um, and then we walk through, you know, this is what we call a two hand. This is a backhand rake. This is a backhand stick, um, you know, and just kind of introduce it to them all. I'm a firm believer as I've, I've gotten into it over the years. And I've talked about this in a lot of, you know, my presentations at clinics is that I like to show them a, a video prior to doing anything if possible that way they have some visual knowledge of it. And when we go out there, A, we're not wasting a ton of time having to explain it then because they've already seen it. Um, but B, they have some sort of vision in their head of what it should look like. Um, and so we talk about all of those things. And, you know, it's great when I'll have guys that are at the four-year level, you know, and they'll call and he's like, you know, and, and that's how I know. I, I have guys check in over the summer kind of off track, but every game you play in the summer, I don't care if you're playing seven nights a week, you text me, hey, what your line was that night? you know, how you did, what you thought. Um, but you'll really see it is when um, I'll get some of those older infielders or guys that have been with me and they, they'll send me their defense too. Hey, I had a forehand, you know, uh, lateral with a two-step that I kind of threw up the line, but then I worked through a slow roller on a, you know, on a press and you, they start, you know, kicking in that verbiage or guys at four years will call me and say, Hey man, I had this ball, you know, and, and they use your lingo. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to see them grow in that aspect. And, you know, cause there's a lot of things we do that are different and, and um, that guys, it takes an adjustment to, you know, guys have been doing some things a certain way for a long time. Um, and we get pretty, you know, we try to delve into the intricacies of infield play here. And so, you know, there's some things that are new to them and, you know, other than just being athletic and going out and playing shortstop and getting it done, mm -hmm. I think, high school level and so uh, we try to introduce all that in the classroom and then you know or if I have a new drill I might throw it into the infield group me and say hey we're going to do this this afternoon at practice get a look at it again now I can go out we can set it up we can do it and then we can talk about you know the results afterwards I don't have to spend by the time I spend 10 minutes explaining a drill they're lost you know they're, they're, their minds are gone and we're, we're already somewhere else and so we try to limit that as much as possible. Uh, just curious there, man, you said you, so you break up even your team infield infield, you know, typically yeah, you might have a pitcher pitcher group, but even your infielders have a group, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We sure do. We have uh we have a, a hitters group, me, a pitchers group, me, our team group, me, the catchers have a group, me, and then the infielders have a group, me. Uh, nice. So we, it is and that way. I mean, you know, those infielders, if they want, if they see something, you know, or a drill or a play or whatever it may be, they can just shoot at that infield group, me, and we can talk about it there, um, you know, and, and just kind of try to create the culture and the environment for them to, you know, dive into it a little bit. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, just another good way of, like you said, communication, you know, the communication of it, things like that. So there's, there's a question then what, what do you, so like, do you ever put any hitting stuff out? Like, do you feel like you should be a hitting group? I, so I, I don't claim to be any kind of hitting guru. Um, you know, I run our offense, but I am, I'm more of a, um, an offensive freedom in our approach here. So, I mean, I, I know hitting, I, I think I do. I, I'm not, you know, saying I'm some world renowned hitting coach, but I've been around the game long enough. I think I can find some things if we break it down on film or whatever it may be. But my philosophy with hitting is this, especially at the two year level, 
look, man, you've been swinging the way you've been swinging for 14, 15 years. Last thing I want to do is bring you in here. We brought you in because you're a good hitter, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, we didn't recruit a bad hitter. Right. Um, last thing I want to do is get you in here and right out of the gate, start trying to change something in your swing and make you uncomfortable in the box. And a lot of guys that have come through here. That's what they love is the freedom that we give them. Um, you know, now you're hitting, you're hitting 380. I'm not touching you, man. Uh, we're going to talk. What we talk a lot about is, is our approach, our mentality, you know, what we're hunting in certain counts, um, what we're trying to do offensively. Um, but you're in a buck 80, like, yeah, I mean, we're going to fix something, you know, and, and I have, uh, we, we film every at bat and every inter squad, every game. Uh, and so, you know, we've got a big screen in the office. Guys can come in here and I, every week I'll have guys, Hey coach, can we jump on film this week? And, and we'll jump on film. Uh, you know, in the fall, I don't, I don't give them their ABs. I keep them because I want to see who comes in to watch film, you know, and, that tells me, hey, this guy's looking to look at something or we, we need to work on something. But, you know, if a guy walks into his exit meeting and he's, he, he hit 210 in the, in the fall and he never once came in to watch film, I mean, you know, what are we, what are we really working on? And so, you know, it kind of allows me to know who's really putting their time in there. Um, but, you know, we, we try to give them some freedom. And, and, we'll you know, I got guys all the time that, that will come in and we'll ask questions. We'll, we'll talk near BP. Um, but I'm not a guy that is going to sit here and try to completely change your swing or overhaul something. We don't have a cookie-cutter approach. Um, you know, I got a lot of guys that hit a lot of different ways. Um, and we try to make sure that those guys play to their strengths. You know, we talk all the time about being the best version of you that you can be. Um, you know, if you weigh – if you're 5'7 and you weigh a buck fifty and you run a 6'4", um, you know, getting, you know, F7, F8, that's not doing us any good. You know, let's go, let's go gap to gap and let's get on and let's run. Um, you know, and so we try to let them work some kinks out. And then, you know, I, I like guys when they want to come to me and they want some help, let's get help let's, and let's work on it. Um, you know, but we have a lot of different types of hitters. You know, we've we've had some years where we've been, you know, top 10 in stolen bases, top 30 in home runs. You know, we, we've had a good mix of speed and power. Um, but I think that goes a lot into recruiting as well, you know, what type of guy we're recruiting. But um, I'm not going to be a guy that's going to sit here and say, we're going to, this is, this is who we're going to, every hitter is going to try to be because, you know, everybody's different. And for me as a hitter, the number one thing is your comfort in the box. You know, if you're uncomfortable, I've changed something and you don't feel right, you're already mentally gone. Um, and so we're going to talk a lot about the mental game and the approach. And the one, the one thing that we, we have made a, a constant is uh, our two strike approach. Uh, we picked up from Mississippi state from cheese and those guys, you know, we had a year where we had a top 20 offense and uh, you know, we, led the country in strikeouts. Um, and uh, the next year I said, Hey, this is, this is not going to work. Now, had I tried to implement a two strike approach with that group, I, I think I would have got fought. Uh, on <laughs> no, I don't think we would have had just the buy-in we needed, but when the numbers said what they said, I, I looked at the sophomores the next year and I said, call me crazy, but we can't do this again. And they agreed. And um, since we've gone to that two strike approach, you know, our strikeouts have cut down by 40%. Um, and it's again, not anything with the swing as much as it is now a guy, you know, a guy used to miss a first pitch fastball that he should have hit. And in his head, he's going, oh, man, I missed my pitch. Now I'm, I, you know, he's guessing he's worried. Well, now a guy misses a first pitch fastball and he goes, well, I'm as good with two strikes as I am with no strikes. So bring it on. Let's go. You know, and it's a mentality type thing. Uh, but our two strike approach has been a game changer for us. Uh, you know, I think that's the biggest uh, compliment we can get offensively when guys are going, man, y'all just will not go down. Because we talk about the pitch count war, you know, and if we can knock a pitcher out before starting pitcher out before the fifth, get the pin, we've done a good job. And so if a guy goes up there and, you know, rattles off a 13 pitch at bat by fouling balls off and, and you know, finding his way on, then he's just using innings worth of pitches in one at bat.
And so, you know, we, we've really dove into that a lot over the last couple of years as well. Can you, uh, can you go more in depth of like, so what was the big, I got two questions really about that. Cause like one, you said you were, we were a top 20 in the country of offense and you said you, you led in strikeouts, but like, did the, did the, did the, you know, have you had that kind of offense since with your strikeouts thing going down? You know, um, yeah, I, I think we had. Now, we might not have had quite as much power. Um, you know, that year we had a couple guys in the middle that could really – I mean, we had probably 25, 30 bombs between our three and four hole there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I think offensively, you know, our, our extra base hits have been just as, as many, um, if not more. Um, our RBI totals have been up. Our hit totals have been probably more than they were then. Um, you know, and yeah, so – Yeah, I'm sure hits would probably go up for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. And so – We've seen the consistency in our offense, um, but we've, you know, we, we've been able to provide a lot more. Um, yeah. You know, overall. Yeah. I was just, I was just curious because, you know, like we talked about coach Eller, you know, and how his philosophy was like, and he just, it, he didn't, it's something he never really cared about, you know, and yeah. we all know like his offensive stuff. And again, it's just a, it's such a unique topic. And that's why like, you know, it's just interesting to say, like, yeah, we were top 20 in the country, but we also, you know, led in strikeouts. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a lot of do or die, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And there's, just like, and there's, there's a lot of great offenses like that. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's it like, was also one of those. I mean, my first year here, well, I, we led the country in sack bunts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we just didn't have an offense that, that provided. We, we had had to sign a lot of guys late, and we didn't have a very powerful offense. Um, and we tried to win – win games when we could, you know, yeah. and uh, it was just who we were that year. It wasn't indicative necessarily that we ran, um, but, you know, we had to do some of that. Now, as much now, we don't necessarily have to, you know, um, but it's one of those that, you know, the power numbers were there that year, but, you know, it was, there were a lot of, you know, our, our average runners in scoring position, if you looked at it compared to now, you know, it was a big difference. Um, you know, we lived and died by, by a lot of big, big knocks, um, you know, and it just, it, it ate at me when you looked back and you saw the number of situations where I feel like games probably could have been won. Um, and we went down, you know, swinging and I said, we got to find a way to fight a little more, um, in those situations. And so we've got to, we've, scramble to that approach yeah and I, I think it also comes back to who you are like you said you're trying to be the best version of you and again i think you're just doing a great job even of that of like just shows the kind of leadership you you have because it's like this is i'm not, I'm not going to say this to you you know like this just like you said you're just trying to be the best like that's what you agree with. it's like what who you are and it's like that's great for that the people like they can handle that you know uh but yeah if that's just not what you want to do and that's not who i am I'm like all right then we're gonna battle we're gonna go so can you can you dive into a little bit about you know, what you do with two strikes and kind of you know, this mentality that you have with two strikes? So, you know, as far as the the physical side of things, there's not a lot different, um, you know, up on the plate, we're widening out. Um, you know, we require everybody to have at least an inch off the knob. Um, you know, some guys get way up there. Our, our leadoff guy did last year. He had a lot more barrel control. You know, some guys aren't comfortable doing that. But I do require them to get at least an inch off the knob to get a little more barrel control. Um, we're expanding in and out, not up and down. Um, and and for us, it, it's again goes back to like when we talked about the base running, the mentality side of it. You know, what we took from Mississippi State was anytime you're in a two strike count, you're going to step out of the box. You're going to give me a fist bump, two pumps to your chest, and I'm going to give it back to you. And what we feel like that does is mentally that tells you, hey, this is two strike count here. 
I got to, I got to battle. I got to fight. And it resets that mind to think I'm in battle mode right here. Um, and, you know, really gear down and try to go get it. And, you know, again, it's just made guys not feel as, as panicked in, in that two strike count. And what, what's really fun is to see when guys can see that they can choke up a little bit, being a two strike count, get a mistake pitch and still run a ball out of the yard and go, Hey, look, man, you didn't lose any power there. You know, you still ran that ball out of the yard in our two strike approach. Look what you can do. And what we talk about is, you know, you go down, you go down the strikeout, you gave us no chance, man. They, that, that defense didn't have to do anything. I tell my guys, honestly, in a two strike count, man, if, if you cap a ball to the six or you roll one over a slow roll to third, I'm better with that than a strikeout because now that guy has to field it and throw it. And if he messes, you know, that's one of the, 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 the columns on our two strike war is an error, you know, reach base on error. At least you gave us a chance and at least you gave yourself a fighting chance. Um, you know, if you went down looking or went down swinging and didn't even put a ball in play, that's a free out in my opinion. But if we just get the barrel on something and it, you know, I mean, it, it, it happens, um, you know, and, and when you do, and then you see it and those guys see that success with it. And then we just talk about pass the stick, you know, pass the stick to the next guy, kind of that next man up mentality. Um, you know, we're not trying to do it all with one swing. We'd rather put those, those little knocks back, back to back to back, you know, and kind of start something to create something big and spark a little energy. Um, but you know, it's just been a mentality and a game changer for us that, guys kind of, they, they feel a lot more comfortable when you can feel more comfortable, you know, then you fight enough pitches off that guy's going to make a mistake at some point and you might get one to hammer. Um, what's the best thing that you like to do during practice to practice with two strikes? So we'll have a two strike station somewhere every day. Um, it might be a two strike T in the cage. It might be a two strike front toss. It might be a two strike round um, during BP, but we're going to do some sort of two strike, daily. Um, what I noticed this year was I had some guys that I felt like weren't, you know, quite as invested in as they should be. So I would go down um, when we would have a two strike round during uh, BP and I would stand in the third base box and hey, you're going to give it to me. I'm going to give it back to you. And I, and I talk about them, you know, we, we're going to give it with intent and conviction. I don't, when a guy turns out and he kind of just gives, you know, or doesn't really look at me and just halfway turns and gives me a little light bump. No, man, like you're going to, I mean, give it to me and, uh, and I'm going to give it back to you. And one that day was probably, you know, when we started, that was the best day of two strike BP we had had all year, you know, cause they had some conviction. I was down there, um, you know, and we talk about, so, you know, there's times I carry a note card in my back pocket during games. And, you know, I mean, I write notes the entire game so we can have our game recap the day after and it's, it's teaching points, but there's times I might be writing or I'm talking to a runner on the bags, the guy in the hole now becomes me. So they know that if they're in the hole and I'm not there, that hitter at the plate turns to them. They give them the chest bump, they give it back. Um, you know, and so there's always somebody visually for you to pick up and reset your focus and know that, Hey, I two strike account. I'm here to battle. Mm, I like that. So yeah, if you happen to be have your head down during two strikes, they're going to look at the guy on deck. Mm -hmm. That's solid. I always thought like even telling kids like, now two strike. This is our this is our pitches now. Like this is our team's pitches. You know what I mean? Yep. Like this is for us. This is what we. You know, this is ours. You know. So I think you're kind of yeah, like you're kind of building on that, and that's super cool. Um, you know, in terms of like a two strike BP, is it basically like you know you're putting it in or you're out of the cage? You know, you're out. Like that's basically how you. It's always just kind of a one pitch thing. Is like when you're working two strike, or you're, I guess you're always looking for you're you're hitting more with you're choked up, um, and you're just. 
battling that one pitch or you get out if you happen not to be able to, I guess. We we can do it that way. We'll do it that way some, or it may be around a five where you're resetting in between each pitch. You know, I, okay. I make sure that's one of the things that I make sure in the cage. Like if it's a two strike T round and you got five reps, you're going to step out. Yeah. Okay. Rep and give the, give the chest bump and then get back in, not just give it, go, give it, go. I want you to visualize looking down at the third base box, give it to us. You know, we'll do a two strike round where, Hey, you know, we might do a mixed round, you know, and, and you're, you know, you're really battling. If it's close, you're out, you know, um, you know, if not, you stay in, we can kind of do a lightning round like that. There's a few ways to mix it up. Um, but it's really about, you know, like coach may said, when you know, used to say when he was here and we do a two strike round, build the culture, build the culture. And, uh, you know, it's a refuse to lose mentality. And you'll hear our guys in the dugout, you know, RMF, RTL, baby, like refuse to lose. Um, and they get fired up in those two strike counts. And, man, it's it's fun. You know, a guy gets up there and he battles 14, 15 pitches. And, I mean, it may be a walk. The dugout goes nuts. You know, we know we just use an innings worth of that guy's pitches uh, on one hitter. And, you know, that's a win for us, man. And so on our two strike war, you know, there's there's more ways to win than there are to lose. Um, and we, we shoot for a 70% success rate. And if we can win 70% of two strike pitches, um, we're going to be, we're going to be successful more times than not, you know, and that's, that's, that's a hit. It's a walker hit by pitch. It's an error. Um, you know, it, it, there's a number of ways that you can win. Uh, and so, you know, a foul ball, a foul ball is a win because now that guy has to throw another pitch, um, you know, and so we, we keep track of that. Um, and we, you know, we have our weekly two strike war winner, uh, and, and, you know, we just shoot for 70% on the year. And if we can get to 70% on the year, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of good games. Can you, uh, can you speak on the chart, what the chart is? Because it's a two-strike war. Is it just for you, or are you also going – because like your freebie war is basically you versus them turnovers. Is two-strike the same concept? So only our offense being charted, but, yeah, pretty much. I mean, they can win with – they can win with a strikeout. Uh, they can win with an out. Uh, whether you know we keep it ground out, fly out. Um, you know, so those are their wins. Um, whereas you know we have our wins, and so we've got to win seventy percent. Uh, now we again we have more ways to win than they do, but that's why we set our number so high at seventy percent. Um, but anything basically that puts us on base or forces them to throw another pitch in a two strike count is a win for us because now they're having to, they're having to increase that, that pitch count. Um, and we didn't go down, you know, and then we have offensive fines, um, you know, and, uh, a three strike, a three, a three pitch strikeout is one of them. Um, a strikeout with runner in scoring position, you know, uh, is one. And then a backwards K with a runner in scoring position as a double. Um, and so, you know, all of those play into our two strike war, and, and we want to make sure that, you know, it just for me, especially that that strikeout with a runner in scoring position looking, you know, I get it. You know, and I, it, it's for me, I know sometimes, you know, the you know, there's some calls that are, you know, I can go back on film and they may oh, be yeah. off the forever. And um, but, you know, we got to know that if it's close in a two strike count, it's our job to fight it off or, or put it in play. Um, you know, and so we got to make sure that we're doing that. But it kind of falls into the. I usually know, you know, if I got a guy who, you know, we had an all-region outfielder that's back with us this year, and he had, man, 150 at-bats last year. I think he had eight punch-outs. And so if he if he went down looking, I knew it was probably it's not bad. a strike. You know, I mean, that guy did not go down. I think out of, he, he went and started uh, the 30, 30 or 31-game hit streak in the Expedition League to start the summer, and 
out of 350 at bats his freshman fall and or spring and summer he had 16 punch outs and you know so that's one of those guys like I know if he goes down looking like eh, probably I need to go back and check that on film because uh, you know he's pretty pretty keen eye. Right. So I'm just I'm just trying to clarify this so I can try to understand the strikeout war when you just said about um, so basically I'm uh, like I'm uh, it's it's automatically a win so I go one two and I foul I get off I'm that's a win I'm already saying that's a win right Yep because he's got to throw another pitch and so you have. Right. Every I have every hitter on the list, so I can right. keep their individual totals, and then there's columns, and so you know it's it's a it's a walk hit by pitch. There's a foul ball column. There's a ball column because say it's 0-2 and he throws a ball. Hey, that's a win for us. Um, you know, base hit uh, reached on an error. That's that's a win in a two strike count because you might have rolled something over. You know, and he kicked it. Hey, that's a win. We got on base now. He's got to face another hitter and throw more pitches. Um, and so you know, all of those are columned off. Um, and we just, we tallied, you know, mm-hmm. and then I go back at the end of the day and I can do up our totals at the bottom and look at how many pitches we won. And I keep a, you know, a game total, a series total, and then we'll have a, a running season total, uh, you know, at the bottom. And then I also do a, a you know, a, a percentage of, uh, I call, we say got a piece. And so whether it was a foul ball, a ball in play, you know, but with two strikes, how many balls we got a piece of, um, you know, we keep that total as well. And I just keep a, an Excel spreadsheet that runs that throughout the entire season. Okay. And you said uh, the, the big negatives. So like, are you just keeping track of those? Like, you know, striking out with striking out with Roman score position, um, you know, the, especially the backwards K you're just, you're just keeping track of when those things happen. Correct. Yeah, so I I, uh, I have an offensive fine sheet that those go on. So on a two strike war sheet, it would just go under it would go under strikeout. But uh, on my offensive fine sheet, it would say exactly what it was, whether it was runner in scoring position, backwards K, etc. Um, but you know your big ones there are, are strikeout, uh, mm-hmm. ground out, fly out. You know, in your two strike war. I mean, that's that's the ways they get you they get you out of there. Um, and so you know, again, more ways to win, but. Any way we win and make him throw another pitch, it's, yeah. it's a win. But like so. you're also saying, it's almost it's, it goes back to the to the again dealing with failure. You know what I mean? Like you're getting, you're you're finding ways for them to also be able to handle the failure of it, which is really cool. Uh, it's also like quality at bats. You're like, yeah, there's a lot of ways to be productive, and like just throwing more pitches. And nowadays, is absolutely productive offensively. You know, like um, so I, I think it's also some of that as well, Coach. Um, uh, it's really really good. Um, so will you take, and so did you say, I can't remember that you will also do that for them, for, for the other team as well? No. So we, we don't, uh, okay. just, we've got enough going as it is. Uh, right. That's just our offensive side of things. You know, now we keep, you know, for the pitchers, we keep a pitcher's fine, um, kind of like the offensive fines, um, you know, and, and we keep a flow chart, but, um, I'm not. I'm not worried about what they're doing offensively. You know, if we're handling our job on the mound, it's just it's really for our offense and kind of our our mentality and our mo um, has become a team. It's just you know a lot of people tell you we're we're a scrappy bunch and um, you know we we just play hard and, and get after it. We're we're very blue collar, nose in the dirt, um, and that kind of just feeds into that mentality. You know that that scratch and claw fight mentality. We're not going down, um, and so you know it's it's something that. Takes takes a lot of guys, you know, time to adjust to. Again, I give a lot of freedom within a lot of things in our program, um, but that's one that's an absolute for us now, and it has been because it's easy to see the numbers, and you know, the numbers don't lie. And kind of when I introduced it to that group in the fall of 2019, so it had been 2020 spring team, that COVID team, 
Uh, I said, look, man, I said, if this is good enough for Mississippi State, you know, just played in Omaha, I think it's good enough for us here in Paris. And so, you know, um, you know, we took a lot of things from them and and just kind of twisted it into our own our own right and our own sense and, and made it ours. And, uh, you know, but uh, very fortunate we, we kind of, you know, molded off them obviously I mean just come off a natty they know what they're doing you know and so um, that was kind of the selling point to these guys was hey if it's good enough in the SEC it's good enough you know in region 14. Absolutely no absolutely does it has it helped with uh like are you recruiting more toward it or does, does it matter? No, you know, our recruiting, we're still going to recruit who we, who we recruit. Um, it's just, it's, it's a tool, you know, and it's a weapon we talk about all the time. You know, I mean, I, if I'm going to go golfing, I'm not just taking my driver and my putter, I'm going to take every club I got that could help me. And so any tool we have, any, anything that can go in our tool belt, um, you know, is a bonus and a benefit. Uh, you know, I had a freshman this year who had an outstanding fall. He had one of the best falls on the team and, um, very good athlete. I mean, I think he's got, he's got potential to be a pro ball type guy. And uh, he, he gets into an O2 count, works it back to full and bust a triple uh, in a gap. And he gets the third and he goes, man, I love this two strike approach. And, you know, it just, I think he had two, three strikeouts all fall. You know, he was one that really just found some, um, some consistency in it and it really helped boost him at the plate. Um, and so, you know, when you hear guys say that and guys really buy in and that's kind of the thing is, when those sophomores can tell those freshmen, hey, look, I'm just telling you this might not feel comfortable. It might not be what you're used to, but the numbers don't lie. And we know it works. We saw it work last year, you know, just just give it a chance. Um, you know, it's it, it's been beneficial. And I know I know when a guy you know, it's, it's funny because guys get into their two strike routines when they give me the bump. So it might be a, you know, a double tap the bat, then look at me and duh, or they, they undo their glove. And so I know when a guy's out of rhythm because, you know, if a guy does his gloves and then turns to me and he just turns to me and goes, and then he'll usually step back out or Hey, and he'll, yep. You know, it, they get into such a, a rhythm and a, and a mentality, you know, that, that routine, that pre-pitch routine. I know when a guy's locked in, I had a guy last year, he, he got out of, got out of his routine, struck out and, uh, the next day in recap, I said, Hey, on that strikeout, what happened? He goes, I didn't go through my pre-pitch routine for two strikes. And I said, yep. You know, you just, and he knew it like immediately he knew it. He said, you know, I, something felt off because I didn't go through my routine, but when you can get into that comfort level, um, that you know, when guys are, are in or not, um, it's, it's really fun to see. Yeah. Uh, that's good. That also means that they're doing a lot in practice. If no they're doubt. Doing it like that they're, that mean, yeah, that means it's not just something you're doing in games. They are hundred percent working on that outside. Really cool. Really cool stuff. Now you mentioned also about the classroom stuff. So like, will you do a lot of classroom work? You know, I wouldn't say a lot, um, but you know, we will, especially early on that first week or two, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a PowerPoint with that offense and kind of break down what we're looking to try to do and our philosophies and those type things. Um, you know, we'll go through our pitching manual with our pitchers and uh, what we're, you know, what our philosophies and our, our outcomes are there and just the map for the fall and that type stuff. Um, you know, but a lot of it will come down to, you know, a guy wants to come in and get on film in the office. Uh, we'll do that or, you know, break down one-on-one, -on -one, you know, after practice, whatever it may be. Um, we don't do a ton of classroom stuff outside of the early stuff, but from time to time I will, you know, if I feel like we're struggling in an area and we need to go focus on something, I might just pull a group in and say, hey, we're going to run through this today. Let's take a look at some things, um, you know, and so kind of try to build off that if it's needed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I remember um, 
you know, your classroom sessions, you definitely said about, you know, uh, in the fall, you know, as you go to your first meeting and stuff like that. But you're great. You're, you said you talked about your recaps. You know, are you doing those just right in the dugout the next day or is that it's like a classroom thing? No. So, yeah, it would be like a classroom thing, but we do it in the clubhouse. So I keep I keep uh, an eight and a half by 11 cardstock folded, you know, into a square. Um, and you'll catch me. I might be in the third base box. It might be in the dugout between pitches and I'm writing notes the whole game. And it might be something as little as, uh, you know, hey, we we rounded too hard on this turn, got opened up to the back pit, you know, just little teaching points. Uh, our pitching coach does the same thing. I come in the next day. I put that on a sheet front and back. I print copies off and then we start the day that way. And it might, sometimes it might be a 20 minute recap. Sometimes it might be an hour because we open it up for questions or, Hey, what else did you guys see? Um, you know, that, you know, yesterday we didn't touch on, but it, it's, it's just learning points. And I, you know, I'll catch, I'll catch crap from some dugout sometimes. Oh, Hey, you're going to write that down. And uh, you know, and, and it is what it is, but um, my job as a junior college coach is to develop these players. And, and part of that is, is game IQ and learning lessons on how we can and, it's a perfect example of um, – I, I love this one. It won us a regional ball game last year in September um, in, a, in an inner squad. We had a balk. And in high school, a balk is a dead ball, plays over. In college, it is a live ball. And so we we equate it to – we got a lot of guys play football. It's your – you know, it's an offside – call that you get a free shot downfield on right guy jumps on a hard count you're going to take your shot downfield if it's incomplete you're going to get your yardage touchdown is a touchdown so we equate it to something like that it's a live ball it's a live play ball happens in inner squad uh everybody stops you know they didn't know and so that went on the recap and it said hey you know ball in college is a live ball if we're on offense you run it and if you know you get thrown out we get the free we they negate it we get the free back but if the off, if, if the play benefits the offense, you get that. And so, man, regional elimination game um, last year, and we are two outs, ninth inning. Um, our guy that's at OU right now, Cade Fletcher's at the plate. Uh, Shelby Becker on first base, two outs, ninth. Uh, Cade Fletcher had a rough day at the plate that that day, and I told him walking out, I said, "Hey, man, I got confidence in you. I love you." Pitch is thrown. Uh, Balk is called, and he runs about a six five six six. He swings as hard as he can, caps one over to third base. We're rolling. Third baseman kind of comes up, you know, thinking it's a dead ball because hey, that kid didn't know. Just lollipops one over to first because he thinks the play's dead. Cade beats it out. My guy turns around second. We're down one run. That third baseman didn't get back to cover. They try to throw it to third, goes into left field. We score. The time run on a balk that was a live ball on a swinging bunt, and we walk it off in the eleventh inning with that same kid at the plate. Had we not mm. talked about that balk in a recap in September, our guy probably stops there. Right. Oh yeah. He told 100%. me after the game. He said, "Coach, as soon as I heard balk, I was swinging out of my shoes mm-hmm. and rolling bunt, swinging bunt. We score from first base on a swinging bunt on a balk, tie it up, and walk it off in the eleventh. And so that's the kind of thing, I mean, it may seem, you know, minuscule to some people, but it won us a regional game. We played for a regional championship because of it. And our goal, we tell them all the time is that, hey, you know what? If we put something on a recap, the goal is to not see it on a recap again, because now you know. Um, and so there's a lot of little things that go into those recaps that guys pick up on. And if we, if that's going to help them 
help us win games and help them at their four-year school, then, you know, it's something that we put a lot of time into because I think that it's very beneficial for them. Like that. If it's on a recap, we don't want to see it on another recap. Absolutely. It's a good way to put it. Oh, man. Uh, really good. Really, really good. Uh, speaking of, like, some uh, – oh, because I was just, like, looking over some stuff. I mean, how – um. I was I was curious because you talk about a lot of individual freedom within like the offensive offensive side of things, you know, and as much as you are with your infields, you know, and how much you are in depth with infield and infield Jew and, you know, just you, know, you really looked on as just a, you know, a very wealth of knowledge and do a great job with your infield. How much that that individual same like do you have that same mindset when it comes to the infielders like just the individual freedom? What do you see in that? You know how how does that work with within your expertise of infield? So I, I do. Um, you know, I tell them like we talk again about take the handcuffs off, um, be an athlete, and we're gonna we're gonna teach you the right steps, the right the right form. We're going to teach you all those things. At the end of the day, I want you to be an athlete and make a play. Um, you know, if, if you come up and, and you, you throw off the wrong foot on a slow roller and, you know, but that was the option you had to try to get it out. I get it. Um, now, typically what you see is because we work things so much and, and we're so in depth with it that it tends to just become natural to do things the way we do things. Um, you know, really one of the only things that I force guys to do on the infield side of things is hop um, on our pre-pitch routine after our prep step. Um, and I do that for a number of reasons. One, I mean, I, I get bigger guys in the corner level wanting to sink. Um, and when you're guys at the big league level and you get paid millions of dollars because you're the best in the world to do it, I get it. For 18 and 19 year old kids, if I allow them to sink, majority of the time they're probably going to wind up on their heels and they're not going to be in a very athletic position. And so we do force our guys to hop. I use those little agility cones. So it's not, so you don't have to be Dustin Pedroia and oh, yeah. that, get that big jump in there, but you got to get your feet off the ground to be on the balls of your feet and be athletic. Um, and so that's one of the few things, you know, we, you are going to hop on your pre-pitch routine uh, after your prep step. Um, we don't allow them to sink, but other than that, yeah, I mean, we're obviously going to talk, you know, very, intricately about what we do and how we do things. Um, but what I, I, I don't want them to become so robotic and so stiff that they feel like they can't be themselves and, and flow with a game. Um, and so, you know, Hey, I want you to be an athlete at the end of the day, don't be a robot, but we, we break down things to such, you know, minuscule and, and, and minute details that it tends to become what they, they do. You know, for me, the biggest, the biggest things that I have, one, not, you know, issues that I have with infielders coming out of high school. A lot of times guys want to sit back um, and, and they're on their heels and they feel the ground ball. They let the ball attack them. They don't attack the ball. Uh, and they're not working through. And that's, that's always been an issue with guys, you know, um, and, and especially guys that, you know, on a funnel, they'll want to let it get deep. Um, you know, just because you're, you're funneling that ball, you still got to get out front with it. Uh, and then two, it was the prep step. You know, I just, I, the more and more I watch games over the years, you know, we're recruiting, watching hundreds of games every summer and, and guys are just standing flat footed or their gloves on their hip, you know, pre-pitch. And, and so that's really become something that I've been very passionate about because I want guys to be, you know, we talk about it, you know, if you're going to build a multi-million dollar house, you're going to start with, a, with a great foundation. And so that, that pre-pitch and prep step is our foundation. You know, if we're in a, we start in a bad position, we've already, 
you know, wasted an opportunity. And so we want to make sure that, you know, no matter how pretty that house is, if you don't have a great foundation, it's going to come crashing down. And so that's where we start with everything. Um, but, you know, yeah, be an athlete and, and make the play. And so there's a lot of freedom within that as well. How has your drill work? Um, how has your drill work? Let's say in terms of like, even just like your throwing program, um, I guess allowed maybe some more of that individual freedom. Has it changed based off that? You know, um, so like that's interesting. So, you know, even with like the throwing, um, you know, I got some guys that, you know, will long toss usually two to three days a week. Um, some guys like the long toss a day out. Some guys like the long toss two days out. And so as we get into the ebb and flow of things, I kind of let those guys have that freedom, you know, like what day do you and your partner feel good long tossing, you know, instead of just saying, Hey, we're all long tossing today. Okay. You want to go two days out. That's fine. You guys go two days out. As long as we're getting that two to three days in, um, you know, whatever I, I declare that week. Um, and so there's some freedom there, but you know, with the drill work. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, guys that, you know, Hey coach, they, they get into, I really feel like I'm struggling with the backhand right now on the rate. Can I work on some of that here? Yeah. Hey, let's get the, you know, let's go get our training glove. Let's work on this, um, you know, with our infield report cards, it allows us, you know, when we're really on top of those to be able to kind of pinpoint what guys need to work on. Uh, but again, it goes back to, yeah, I, I ask those guys and I communicate with those guys where they're feeling like they're struggling and what they need to work on. Uh, you know, our, our catch play routine is not going to change. Our catch play routine is what it is. And, and we're going to do that. We're going to go straight into our, our Aussies and our picks after that every day. Um, you know, but there'll be a time that guys may come up and say, Hey, I'm really, you know, I had a first baseman last year who, I mean, 203 chances and he had one error, um, you know, it was a very good first baseman, but you know, he was really struggling with, with some of his his timing on his stretch. And he said, Hey, can we, can we go get over there in the corner today and just kind of work on some of this? And we, him and I, you know, I had the infielders doing some other stuff and him and I went and worked on that, um, you know? And so, yeah, we try to make sure that those guys feel like they can communicate that and we give some, some freedom there as well. Um, you know, but uh, I like it to where if I got it, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing something or I'm, I'm running late from a meeting on campus or I got to be out recruiting one day that those infielders can run themselves because they feel they, you know, they've been through it so many times. They know what our system is. If I put this, this drill work up, they can go knock it out because they know what they're doing. Uh, and that goes into that, you know, uh, accountability and that ownership part of it as well. Uh, absolutely. Uh, just to clarify too, with your infielder report card, is that basically just based off of that error analysis that you are making during the game? Yep, it is. It's based off our game chart. Uh, we can do it for practice and game, um, you know, and then it can tell you, you know, where exactly where you struggled, um, you know, whether it was your throws, whether it was your backhands, your forehands, your slow rollers, and we can kind of break that down. And instead of having to just take everybody, you know, maybe once or twice a week during early work, instead of taking everybody to go do the same drill uh, and just teach it to the masses, hey, you guys were, you know, you struggled with your backhands last week. Let's go set this drill up here. You guys, you know, we were kind of tailing the ball up the line a little bit or our exchanges were off. Let's go work this drill over here. And you can kind of tailor it a little more individually to what they need um, instead of just to the masses there. Um, but it's something that can, you know, benefit those guys by, by seeing where they're struggling um, and needing to get through. Awesome. I like that with uh, the groups and the drills based off of where they are. You know, it's, it's good. <laughs> oh man Coach, great stuff man i mean really really good texas juco so good grand junction uh it's definitely a a dream um it's fortunate enough to go in 08 we went we went in 08 it's a awesome place uh where did you play at 
I played at Hagerstown, Hagerstown Community okay. College, and that's where I was. I was coaching. I was helping in 08, and we were awesome. and uh, took a team there and rode the Lightning, beat Lonnie Chisholm home pit, and uh, end up beating Chipola um, that year. And uh, it was a great year. Went two and two, and it was phenomenal. Just uh, something never forget. And Grand Junction's a special place, man. That experience. I mean, I. You know, we haven't gotten there yet, but uh, the guys that I've coached that have been, you know, whether it be summer ball or whatever, um, you know, you're you're a major leaguer. You're a rock star that week. Uh, mm. you know, up there, they do they do it right and they put it on right. Um, though that committee does a great job running. I think it's one of the better run events, um, you know, in college athletics. Yeah, that place rocks, man. We had the we had, we played Grayson the first night we were there, and they they showed us the business that night. You know, it was our <laughs> first time and. And they ended up winning it that year, and it was they, they gave us the business, you know. But you know, we ended up responding pretty well. Again, responding to failure, like you said, I think that's just so much of life. I think it's so much of the game, especially our game. You know, like a lot of times, not so much like talent wise, but can our guys like are my guys going to be better at handling the failure of the game than the other team? Yeah. There's so much of that, and how are we preparing? And, and it sounds like you just you do a great job of that. I'm glad we were able to get into that. Not like. You know, because you do such a great job with infield, and, and it clearly shows. But I think also people don't know, like these are also why people, are, your your guys are doing well. Like it's, they're able to handle these these the failure of the game, you know. And you're you're giving them freedom and teaching them that, you know. It's awesome. It's awesome, coach. It's it's, it's a growing it's a, it's it's growing opportunities for them, man. You know, I mean, I we we try to equate a lot of things to the real world as much as we can. You know, I mean, whether it's punctuality and being on time, you know, or or you know when you fail at your job, you know, how are you going to respond? And, um, you know, we just try to, we try to equate as many things to real world life as possible. Uh, cause those lessons are what are going to be, you know, help us win on the field as much as they're going to help us win in life. And, you know, I think a lot of times that, you know, we're, we, tr we're truly a family, man. I mean, this, this program is, you know, we got back from the regional last year and, and we turned everything in the next morning and uh, we broke it out one last time. I mean, nobody left the clubhouse for two hours, you know, cause they didn't want it to be over that group group. Didn't want to, didn't want to be away from each other. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes when you talk about loving your guys and family and those things that some people kind of, you know, you put the person first and, and uh, some people kind of consider that soft or they're, oh, they're not worried about winning. Well, no, I mean, we want to win as much as the next guy. But, you know, I want those guys to know I care about them. I mean, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, uh, you know, I think when you do care about them and and they know that and they feel that, they're going to play even harder for you. You know, and they don't they, they want to win and they want to win for you and, and for the program. And, uh, you know, it's fun to see. I mean, we got guys that, you know, were on some teams that when we started, we were just we were just average, you know, we didn't have some great years. And. But, you know, we make it regional, and now those guys are the first ones reaching out saying, hey, congrats, man, you know, we're so proud of you. You know, and to see those guys six, seven years ago that are still invested in the program and knowing that that's where the program started, you know, and those guys, are, we talk about it all the time, you know, PJC baseball is a book, and, and each team is a new chapter. Uh, and those guys started, you know, started the book and may not have gone the way we wanted it to at the time, but they paved the way for the guys that are here today. And, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, making sure that you honor them and honor everybody that's worn the green and gold because it's something that's special to us. And uh, watching those guys go out and have success and getting the, you know, as a young guy for me, it was, you know, rings, 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 rings. And, and I, I won, I won them. I mean, they're great. They're, they're in the office on, you know, on the desk, but um, you know, as I've gotten, I never envisioned myself being a junior college coach, but as we've gotten further into it, you know, the wins for me, I want to go to Grand Junction. I want to win every game. But the wins for me are, are guys graduating, guys going on to good four-year programs, all these Division One players, but not just going there, but, you know, 
competing and being, you know, being dudes. And I mean, Tyler Myers this year, you know, he comes back off TJ. He was a kid that had two, he had two offers out of high school, us and a D2 Juco in Illinois and ends up going to Ole Miss senior year as TJ this year rolls in there in the SEC tournament against number two Vandy goes seven scoreless against them, you know, getting a point on ESPN and say, that's our guy. That's our guy. That's a win for me now, you know, watching those guys. I mean, 99% of the time, their best baseball is ahead of them when they leave here. Um, and so getting to watch those guys go be successful on the big stage and know that they came out of this program and, and we were a part of, you know, helping them get to where they were because they put in the work. That's, that's what we hang our hat on now. It's a great, it's a great way to wrap things up there, coach. Um, uh, anybody wants to talk more baseball with you, what's the best way to contact you? Follow yeah, you? so, um, you know, uh, obviously on Twitter, coach Cox 19 or at infield you, um, and then, you know, uh, my email address is on our website at, at parisjc.edu. Um, sometimes if I miss it, man, just hit me back. You, you know, I, there's just so much to go through sometimes as much as we got going on, I, promise you not bothering me. I want to be able to communicate and connect with as many people as possible. So if I miss you, just hit me back, but yeah, feel free to reach out, you know, two strike war chart, any of that stuff. I, you know, I'm more than willing to share. Um, and so, you know, just shoot me an email or whatever, and I'll get that to you and try to help however we can. Great stuff by coach Cox. I want to really thank him and thank our guys at netting pros, netting pros, are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in design, fabrication, installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install a digital wall, graphic padding, windscreen turf to protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. So, again, thanks to Coach Cox. Thanks for Netting Pros making this making this happen. And, you know, you can see just a ton of great things from his two-strike war, um, reviewing his charts that he has done, the air analysis. If you haven't have that, get all that that. If you're not following him on Twitter, follow them on Twitter. If you're not following InfoJu, InfoJu, do yourself a service. Um, just loving how they have all these different processes for how they're getting things done and helping guys. Because like you said too, sometimes life happens where he can't be there. They know what they need to get done. And that starts with having these processes in place. So I uh, love how he talks about 90 tiny percent of his kids, they're going to play their better ball once they leave him. You know, he's preparing them for that. So I just, I love the take on it. Um, I love what he, what he says that about that and how... He brings his kids in early, gets over, and let's start in the classroom. Let's start about what we're what we're about, and we're going to move on from there. So, a ton of great stuff. Um, you know, having his expectations, communicating those things, holding them to them, you know, and building the best family atmosphere that he can there at Paris, which is great stuff. So, again, if you're not following Coach Cox, please do so on Twitter. If you're not following InfoJu, do so on Twitter at Coach Cox at InfoJu. So, Coach Cox, again, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Appreciate you all you guys listening. Netting Pros, again, thank you for our sponsor. And until next week, keep getting better.